Hello, and welcome to The Journey's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out The Journey live at one of our two Metro New York locations, including Queens and Manhattan. Visit journeyqueens.com for service times and directions. Now let's join Pastor of The Journey Queens, Mike Cooper, as he teaches live. So last week, we kicked off this new series called Treat Yourself, right? And it's Pastor Mike's version of trying to learn slang and teach us all lingo. But the whole idea of this series is we're talking about a new you for a new year, a new decade. And I think it's time that we look at ourselves. And and if there's one area of, of life that we need to pursue, it's health in every area of our life. And so this series, what it's about is self-care and personal development for the new year. Uh, And so we've been talking about five key areas of health that we should pursue. Last week, we kicked it off by talking about spiritual health. And uh, last week, I gave you four questions to ask yourself uh, to give you a blueprint on how to grow spiritually and deeper in your faith in the new year. Uh, If you missed last week, go to our website, listen to the podcast. Again, not right now, but later on, uh, listen to the podcast so you can get caught up. And so today, we're going to talk about relational health. But before we begin and before we dive into today's topic, I I want you to turn to your neighbor Look him in the eye, say, hey, say, you looking good today, or just helping some people out, all right? And uh, so here's what I want you to do. You got to tell them one thing, all right? You got to tell them the answer to this question, all right? What was your favorite TV show growing up as a kid, all right? What was your favorite television show growing up as a kid, all right? Ready? Go. Tell your neighbor, what was your favorite TV show Growing up as a kid. Some of you guys are thinking back to your past. Somebody said He-Man. Okay, okay. Somebody said Power Rangers. What? No, it's Batman, Three's Company. We got a few. All right. All right, so just tell them one. Don't tell them every movie or every TV show you watch. Just one, one favorite TV show that you had growing up as a kid. So so if you were to ask me, Pastor Mike, what is your favorite TV show, or what was one of your favorite TV shows growing up as a kid? One of my favorite TV shows was this. Take a look. Anybody know what show this is from? Saved by the Bell, right? How many of you, you remember not only the high school years, but the college years, right? Yeah. And some of you, you know the song already, it's all right. No, that's it, that's it, right? That's all we're going to sing for now. And uh, I love Saved by the Bell. If you don't know what it is, you got to go on Hulu and watch it, all right? But Saved by the Bell, I love Saved by the Bell because Zach Morris was so cool, right? He had that cool hair, right? All that stuff. Uh, He had the phone that would never fit in your pocket, you know what I'm talking about? That giant, it was like a dumbbell, right? But that was a phone. And what I loved about Zach, too, was he always had the ability to call a timeout, right? And everybody froze, right? That was like the coolest thing. He was just in the middle of life. He just timeout, and everybody was frozen. That would be a cool, like, superpower to have. But uh, one of my favorite episodes watching Saved by the Bell was this one episode where they all came together and started a band called the Zack Attack. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They, they, they got a band called the Zack Attack. And they sang this popular song called Friends Forever. If you remember it, you'll sing along. If not, just humor us and let's take a stroll down memory lane. Let's take a look at this. Friends Forever Tour kicks off tonight. But let's go back to that California garage where it all began. 
like the title, Friends Forever. It's pretty cool. <laughs> but we haven't known each other forever. If we sing that, we'll be living a lie. All right, so that, that's our, our little walk down memory lane, all right? If some of you guys remember it, it's going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. If not, cool, all right? But th- there's something about th- just that topic, right? Friends forever. Th- there's something about this idea of they meet in high school, stick around, they share life's experiences. And a lot of times we resonate with these types of TV shows because we would all agree one way or another that friendships matter. Community is something that's so important for every single person here today. Whether you're an extreme extrovert and you're the life of the party, you love hanging out with people, or if you're an introvert and you're like, people, no, all of us, we value and we desire uh, community. And we see this true in our culture today. In fact, I want to share with you just some famous, what I'm going to call BFFs, best friends forevers in modern culture over the years. When did we first learn about friendships. Uh, for many of us, it first started with this. It first started with uh, Bert and Ernie, right? They were best friends, and that's what a friendship should look like, right? Then, as we got older, it kind of evolved to the next friendship, which is Woody and Buzz Lightyear, right? They, they were enemies in the beginning, competing against each other, but over time, they later on become friends. Then when you became a teenager, these were probably some crazy best friends, right? (laughs) Beavis and Butthead, they always got in trouble and stuff. And uh, then we hear about those who started off as friends, but then they became enemies like this next group, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. They were BFFs. Now they're enemies recording songs about each other and against each other. But really where we learn about friendship is probably this next piece, the, the Friends cast, right? When they're named Friends, we got to learn about it. But my favorite best friends forever is got to be these two guys, Lloyd and Harry from Dumb and Dumber. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, okay. So, all right, all this aside, the question that we really want to look at this morning is, what exactly is a friend, right? What exactly is a friend, and how do we go about making friends? Because in our culture today, what exactly is a friend? Well, if I pull out my phone and send a message to poke you, then apparently I am now your friend, and I'm connected with everybody around in the universe. universe. So what exactly is a friend, and what does a friendship look like? I mean, something that we learn in elementary school, how to be a friend, But over the years, it kind of evolves and it changes. So what would you say your definition of friendship is? Uh, For me, my definition of what a friend is is simply is to know and to be known. Right? It's to know someone and to be fully known. In other words, in a true friendship, we move beyond the pretending phase, right? We move beyond the, I've put my mask on, and this is why you should be my friend, and this is how cool I am, and you should follow me. And instead, we, we take the mask off, and we say, here's who I really am. And that person, they take their mask off, and they say, here's who I really am too, and you're accepted, and they're accepted. Now, now we see this. This is biblical as well. In fact, if you go ahead and pull out your message notes and your programs, we're going to look at a verse found in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived, he wrote this statement. He says in your notes, a friend loves at all times. They are there to help when trouble comes. A friend loves at all times. They are there to help when trouble comes. That, in a sense, is what a friendship should look like, Right? I'm I'm extending love 
at all times. Not because of what you do for me or how I'm benefited from your friendship, but I choose to love at all times. And I'm also there to help when trouble comes. One of the worst feelings in the world is when we face adversity and someone that we thought, that we trusted, that we thought was a friend, they're not there for us. Instead, they, they run away. And Solomon tells us, a friend loves at all times. They're there to help when trouble comes. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, man, Pastor Mike, why are we spending a whole message on friendships, right? Like a, like a whole Sunday message on friendships and relationships. Aren't there more important things to talk about? But, well, yeah, but... Again, when, Jesus, when God first created Adam, he looked at Adam and he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. In other words, the first problem that we see in the Bible has to deal with community and friendships. And so many times we mistakenly believe that we are important or we're valued because of our net worth, what's in our bank account or what's not in our bank account. We mistakenly believe our value is based upon what job we have or what job we don't have. And so we'll pack life and we'll pack our schedules overflowing with things that we think are important, but we forget our greatest need is community, to be connected with God and to be connected with his creation. And so we've got to have margin in our lives, margin in our schedules in order to build healthy friendships. Let me prove it to you. Go ahead, in your message notes, you'll see right before our next verse, there's this statement that says, my top five friends are. I want you right now to write that down. Excluding your spouse or your significant other, because I would hope they're in your top five. That would, that would be good, right? So excluding family, who are your top five friends right now? The, the people that you would call during a crazy moment. The person that you would say, I'm going to watch the big game with that person. The, the person that you talk to when life's greatest moments happen. Who would you say are your top five friends right now? And I want you just to write down their names in your notes. These are your message notes. We're not collecting them afterwards or anything. But who would you say are your top five friends right now? Aside from your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, assuming that they're in your top five, all right? Who is in your top five? Now, why am I having you write this down? Why am I having you determine who your top five friends are? Well, because researchers determine that we are the sum of our closest friends. We are the sum average of our closest friends. So, for example, just for a moment, take a look at the top five friends that you wrote down right now. Uh, statistically speaking, financially, you're probably right in the middle of where those top five friends are right now. Career-wise, your top five friends right now, you're probably right in the middle of where your top five friends are uh, in their life stage. Morally, you're probably right in the middle of those that you associate with. And I would say the same is true spiritually. When we look at our top five friends, we're probably the average of where they are spiritually, personally. In other words, we hear this quote all the time as a kid. You are who you run with, right? We are who we run with. And that is true in every area of our lives. That's why friendships are so important. So uh, look at Proverbs 13, verse 20 in your notes. It says, walk with wise people and become wise. A companion of foolish people suffers harm. Now, no one here wants to start 2020 living a life of harm, right? But sometimes it could be the difference between living in wisdom 
and living foolishly could be the friends that we associate ourselves with. In other words, the quality of your life very well could be determined by the quality of your friendships that you have. So if that's true, the most important decisions that we can make could be who we associate with. So the question you've got to ask yourself is, am I with the right people? Am I hanging around the right people? So in your notes, what I'm going to do is I want to give you four decisions to make when it comes to our friendships today. Four decisions to make in your notes. Number one, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to identify my current relationship circles. I've got to identify my current relationship circles. Now, this sounds easy, right? All right how do I identify my friends? Uh, again, many of us would say, I'll just pull out Instagram. I've got 98 followers. Oh, man, I need more friends, right? Or I pull out Facebook, and this is how many friends I've got. But to be honest, because of social media, it's harder to really define who our friends really are. I mean, because of social media, what's great is we can access anybody at any moment, at any time, but we're also more lonely and more distant than ever before. For example, the average Facebook user has over 350 friends, right? Friends. If you've got more than 350, you are above average, right? So the average Facebook user has over 350 friends, but when they were asked, how many face-to-face, how many face-to-face friends do you have? The average person said, two, right? 350 friends, social media-wise, but only two face-to-face friends. In fact, a study was done, and it said that one out of four people could not list a person that they would turn to in a time of trouble. One out of four have no idea who would they call or reach out to or ask for prayer during a time of trouble. And in fact, when asked, 40 to 45 percent said that they were lonely and had no friends. 40 to 45 percent. Social media was never meant to be a replacement for our friendships, but it seems like it has been, right? It's, it's meant to be a complement, not a supplement for our relationships. And so here we are. We can access anybody at any point, but we're still more lonely than we've ever been before. Solomon talked about this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 in your notes, he says, two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. But here's where it comes in. He says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Underline that last phrase. People who are alone when, or people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Remember, God's original intent for you is to live in community with other people. And so at this stage of life that you're in right now, would you say that you are connected with your friends? Or would you say that you feel a little bit of isolation in your life? Well, how do I know what type of friends I have? And, and again, he, this is key to know, right? Because a, a lot of times we think friend means Facebook friend, so I'm a friend, right? But there's really three different categories of friends. And I encourage you, write this here in the white space of your notes. We're not going to put it up here on the screen. But there's really three different types of friends that we have. The first one you can write down is circumstantial friends. Circumstantial friends. What this is, is these are people that you rub shoulders with on a regular basis, you don't really know them. They might be buddy or chief to you or hey, pal, but, but you're acquainted with them. It could be the person at work. It could be the, the person at the gym that you see that always checks you in. It could be your, your coffee barista that knows your drink but always spells your name wrong on the coffee cup. It could be your neighbor, right? You, you, you have a dog. They have a dog. You walk the dogs at the same time. You, 
Hey, what's up? You know their dog's name, but you don't know their name, right? Circumstantial friends, right? Uh, you, you, you are friends with them only because you're surrounded by them. If you move apartments, you're not going to stay friends with them. If you change a gym, you're not going to stay friends with them. You get a new uh, coffee joint, you're not going to stay friends with the barista, right? It's because it's surrounded by your circumstances. The, the second type of friendships that we have is seasonal friends. Uh, these are the friends that we face because we're in the same stage or season of life. A good example of this would be college, right? When we go to college, we're there for four years, hopefully, right, four years, not five or eight, right? But, you know, when we're there at college, we meet friends, and we dive in and have these strong bonds for four years, but then life happens, and it just kind of dissolves. Maybe for you, you were at a company, and you worked there for about 12 years, and you had a buddy that you worked right next to. The cubicle was shared with the other person. And so you were friends. You talked about the big game. You talked about The Bachelor or whatever show you watch. I don't know. And so you were seasonal friends. But over time, as life happened, it just kind of, the relationship kind of split apart. But that's why it's important for all of us to have this third category, which is lifelong friends. Lifelong friends. It doesn't matter what the season or the circumstance is that you are a lifelong friend with these people. Now, maybe you're here today and you say, well, my boo is my lifelong friend. <laughs> Love you, boo, right? Or my, my, my spouse is my lifelong friend. To be honest, for their sake and yours, it's important to have other lifelong friends, all right? Uh, proud that your spouse is your number one, but you should have like another friend or two, all right? For their sake also, all right? But it's important that we have lifelong friends, all right? So, so we've got to identify what are those relationship circles. Number two, the second step in your notes, second thing we've got to do is we've got to prune our current relationship circles. So we've got to identify, but then also there's this process of pruning, right, of, of kind of cutting away. Uh, let me give an example. Uh, about eight years ago when I first moved to New York City, uh, after a service here at The Journey, uh, I chose to, uh, after service, go downstairs, take the subway train to go to Midtown Manhattan to be with our other journey location there in, uh, in, in Midtown Manhattan. And as I was waiting for the subway train, it was a long day uh, with set up and tear down. I was a little bit tired. I was a little out of it. And I noticed that, like, this group of people next to me, th they weren't wearing any pants. <laughs> and it was really weird. I was like, I'm out of it. I didn't have coffee today. Am, am I okay? I, I don't know. Something's wrong with me. And so I just thought, okay, a little weird, but we're in New York. We just moved here. New York's got the stereotypes. Okay. And then the subway comes, opens the door, walk in. Like a majority of them are not wearing pants. And this is really weird. Like they got the winter coat. This is in the middle of January. They got the winter coat. They got the hat, the scarf, shoes. They, they forgot pants. I'm like, what is going on here? Now, if you've been in New York for a while, you, you realize what I'm talking about is New York City's annual no-pants subway ride, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. Now, uh, the big question we've got to ask is why would thousands of people all meet up, ride the subway, not wear any pants? That's a little weird. Why would they do it? I think the, the answer is simple. It, it was fun to do, but even greater fun to do it in community. Am I right? I mean, it would have been really creepy if just one person decided, you know, I'm not going to wear pants today and ride the subway. They probably would have been arrested. That was a little weird. But because others did it in community, others were willing to try it. Now, now what it reminds us is this. In community, 
sometimes people will push us beyond our limits and help us achieve more than we thought we could ever achieve. And that's great. But also in community, sometimes others can pull us away from God's best in our life and pull us away and cause us to do some pretty silly and dumb things. For example, maybe for you, your community is that everyone uses profane languages and says four-letter words that we can't say here in our service. And maybe for you, you realize, man, because this is my community, it's kind of rubbed off on me. Now I catch myself saying words that I probably shouldn't say. Uh, maybe for you, your community is in the financial district where everyone there is, is about, uh, in your company, they're about making the extra buck. It doesn't matter who they run over. doesn't matter what they steamroll over. It's all about greed. And then you realize, man, greed is kind of rubbing off on me. Uh, maybe for you, it's, you go to social events, and there's places where there's alcohol consumption, and, and you realize, man, I'm, I'm not myself because I, I've allowed the party scene to rub off on me and affect me as well. Well, we see this. This is biblical. In fact, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. He says, bad company corrupts good character. In other words, it's impossible to live the right life when you've got the wrong friends. And as harsh as it sounds, the truth is for some of us here, maybe it's time that we look at the friendships we have and determine for 2020, I'm going to prune, I'm going to cut away those friendships. Now, how do I know if a relationship needs to be cut off? Well, thankfully, Solomon gives us some criteria. In fact, Solomon gives us seven character traits that the Lord detests so much that Scripture says that he hates. And so if you've got a friend that lives in this area that the Lord, quote-unquote, hates, it might be a good idea to cut that relationship off. Let's look at what Solomon says here. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 19, it says, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. So what are these things? He says, haughty eyes. What are haughty eyes? Talk about pride, right? Pride is the root of just about every sin. He says, a lying tongue, hands that will kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who soars discord in a family. In other words, don't be duped into thinking it's no big deal, that's just how that person is. No, it's impossible to live the right life when we've got the wrong friend. And so use this almost as like a checklist of maybe, God, there are things in me even that I need to prune away and to ask for forgiveness for. But also, there might be some things, some friendships that you've got to cut off and say, 2020, i got to cut them off for my health and for my spiritual being. So it's important that we, what we identify who our relationship circles are. It's important every now and then that we prune those relationship circles. Let me give you number three in your notes. The third thing we've got to do is we've got to expand our relationship circles. Uh, we've got to expand the current relationship circles. Uh, once you've cut off some friendships, then you know there's room and there's time to expand for other friendships. And so you're going to have margin uh, to have friendships that are going to bring in, they're going to bring energy, joy, faith in your own personal life. And so it's important that we do that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 in our notes, it says, Godly people are careful about the friends they choose, but the way of the sinners leads them down the wrong path. Now the question always is, well, where do we find godly people? I mean, where do they hang out, right? If I want to find people who are Christ-minded and are like-minded and Christ followers, and they're serious about growing in their faith, 
where do I go? Well, the church is a great place to be. It really is. The church is a place where we honor God with our first fruits, the, the first day of the week. We say, oh, God, I'm going to hit a pause. I'm going to show up on a Sunday morning and honor your name and receive inspiration throughout the week. But also the church is a place where we can meet one another and find community here together. Now, I've met so many, time, so many people that will say, you know, I don't need church. I got TBN or I got Channel 28 or I don't know what Channel 28 is, but I got this channel and that, that channel. You know, that's cool, right? There's nothing wrong with watching TBN or watching different preachers on TV and such. But, again, you were never meant to live in isolation. So church is the place where we can find godly community. And we encourage you guys, that's why a growth group is so important. Because a growth group is where you can uh, meet others beyond the Sunday experience. And let's face it, right after the service, uh, as soon as we say amen, have a great week, we're busy, right? We leave, we got to go, we got to do some other things. If you're like, a, if you want extra points, you'll stay for the second service. But even after the second service, we got to go. Why? Because Jumanji is playing at 1245. That's, that's literally what it says, right? And so we live in this, this rushed environment where we got to set up, tear down, two services, quick, in, out, pack it up, put it in the truck. We got to go. And it, it's such a hurried lifestyle that it's hard for us to just press pause and to do life with one another. And that's why groups are so important. In fact, a few years ago, uh, we had a girl in our group who said that they have a, a lot of friends at work, at school, all around, but her growth group was the only place that she had godly Christian friends. And for some of you, growth group might be the only place all week where you're in contact, where you're connecting with godly people and other like-minded Christians. And so that's why we encourage you. We know that you might be busy. We know that you've probably got a lot going on throughout your week. But make this an investment in your spiritual health and in your relational health. And so you've got that catalog. You've got that uh, connection card. Write down the group that works for you. Well, Pastor Mike, I only can make like three growth groups. Three is better than none, Right? Uh, three is better than none, so I'd encourage you to sign up for it. If you want to do the Zumba, you got to do it today. They're going to be closed. But, but anyway, it's important that we find these godly friendships along the way. What qualities should we look for in a friend? Well, we talked about qualities that you should not look for. Thankfully, Paul gives us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, qualities to look for in our friendships. So many of us, we know this as the fruit of the Spirit, but here's what it says. It says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, to be honest, we look at this list, let's be honest, not one of us can embody all nine of them every single time, right? I know you're perfect, but it's impossible to, uh, to embody all of these fruit of the Spirit every single time at every moment of life. But in a world that's all about selfishness, in a world that's all about entitlement, it takes grit to live out these qualities and these traits. It takes daily focus to ask God to fill us with more love and joy and peace in our hearts. But if we choose to surround ourselves around people that have more love, more joy, <coughs> more peace and self-control in their lives, it will eventually rub off in our personal, in our spiritual lives as well. So we've got to identify we got to prune, we've got to expand, and let's look at number four in our notes, the back of the notes. Number four, 
is then I've got to deepen my current relationship circles. For many of us, this is our next step. You know, for many of us, we, we've identified already, we've expanded, but for many of us, the deepened part is the hardest part. I'll share with you, two months ago, I made this crazy decision to sign up for a 5K and run a race. I don't know why. I don't know what came over me. I had like a bad moment or something. It, it was, what it was, was it was peer pressure. Somebody walked up to me, you're going to run that 5K with me, right? Uh, no, what's a 5K? I, I didn't even know. And so I signed up. For those who know what 5K is, you run 3.1 miles. That's a, that's a lot, right? And so we signed up, me and two other friends, we signed up to run this race called the Turkey Trot. They tricked me because after the 5K, they said you get free donuts and a hoodie. I mean, I, I could run for donuts. I'll do that, right? And so I signed up for this 5K, woke up that morning. It was like 20 degrees, wind whipping. It was not today. I'll run today, but not 20-degree weather and the wind whipping. It was freezing. And here I am with these two other guys. Tell They run, they're fast, they're fit. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there one day, right? The Lord says we're going to get a heavenly body, so it's coming. But you know what I mean. And so, so here I am. We're like ready to go, doing all the stretches. And they say, when the gun sounds, you've got to run. And, you know, people are like, what is your time? What, what time do you want? I just, I want to survive. Like, I, I want to see my wife after this and my kids, and I would be happy, right? And so I decided to run this 5K race. The gun goes off. And I'm running it, you know, heavily breathing and everything, life flashes before my eyes and stuff. But, you know, we're running it, and we passed the one-mile marker. And I got my two buddies right there running it with me in stride. Easily, they could have ran it in half the time, but they chose to be right there next to me. There was a certain part that we were running, and it was like this killer hill. Uh, by killer hill, any hill is a killer hill. But it was this really big hill. And I was like, I just need a moment to pause and catch my breath. And so I stop. As these guys keep going, they turn around, they notice I'm right there, stop. They stop, and they encourage me. Come on, Mike, we got this. You can do this. Take a quick breather. The donuts are right there. Oh, donut. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, they, they said, hey, let's keep going. And uh, so what it was was along the way, if I stopped, they stopped with me. If it was time to pick up the pace, they encouraged me to pick up the pace. And, again, these guys, they could have run it faster than I could have by far, but what they did is they helped me run my fastest 5K in 10 years, all because I was surrounded by other people encouraging me and pushing me beyond myself. And see, the truth is, for many of us, a lot of our friendships, we stay at the surface level area. But if we want to see any spiritual growth, if we want to achieve the potential that God has for us, and I would dare to say that many of us, that we haven't yet fully achieved God's potential, but we're still working toward it. If we want to achieve God's potential in our life, it starts by deepening the friendships that we have around us. Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. You know, most of us, our relationships, our friendships, they kind of happen by chance right? Uh, someone is working next to us, and so we become their friend, right? Or so we're at the 5K race, and we meet someone, and we become their friend. Or, you know, we take our kids to the playground, and there's another mom who has kids, and so you naturally converse. And so most of us, if we're honest, most of our friendships kind of just happen by chance, by circumstances, and, and be who we're surrounded with. But to have a friend who makes you better, you've got to be intentional. You've got to move beyond happenstance, and be intentional with those around you. And what it's going to take 
is hard work. You've got to elevate the important over the urgent. And you've got to discipline yourself, sometimes schedule time to make these new friendships and deepen these friendships. That's why growth groups, again, are so important. And so what we're going to realize is if we've done the work of deepening our friendships, we're going to have people there with us during life's most difficult and toughest moments. When we face the worst moments of life, the worst seasons of life, God will bring those reminders that we are not alone. And often it's disguised through a friendship that we have. John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13, it says, Jesus' words, he says, I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. And here's how you can measure it. He says, the greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You know, a powerful thing about Jesus is he says this, and then he backs it up by giving up his life for you and I. And we know that the ultimate test of friendship is where God left his throne in heaven to come to earth to be amongst us and to willingly give up his life for you and I, despite of our sin, despite of our rejections of God, Jesus willingly gave up his life because of his love for you and I. And what I love about this is Romans chapter 5, verse 11, our last verse, it says, we can now rejoice in our wonderful relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us, say it with me, friends of God. Through Jesus, we can have friendship and access to God. That's why we're here today. That's why we celebrate. That's why we sing songs of praise is because we realize God is not distant, but God is our, our friend. He knows us, and he accepts us, and he loves you and I. And so my hope and prayer for you today is, yes, it's important to deepen our friendships with one another. But if you haven't yet initiated a friendship with God, all it takes is faith in the work that Jesus did in the cross for us. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day and this time where we can look about the importance of friendships, the, the importance of just surrounding ourselves around godly people. And I pray for all of us here, if we're pursuing health in the new year for, for 2020 and the new decade, God, help us to do an honest inventory of the friendships that we currently have. For some of us, we might need to cut away from those friendships. For others of us, we might be acquaintances, and now it's time to deepen our friendships with them. But God, help us to take the risks that are needed to grow deeper in our walk with you. If there's anyone here who's never placed their faith or trust in you for the first time, I pray and I ask you, God, that you would help them make that decision to realize that we are not an enemy of you, but, God, through your son, Jesus Christ, we are friends. And, God, help us to feel that warmth. Help, the, help us to feel that love and that grace that you give to us today. And, Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.